prophets, for the word of our God will last forever. Amen. I want to read a passage of scripture this morning from Luke chapter 1. And um, I want to just read it just to put it in your spirit. I'm not going to say a lot about it this morning, but I'm setting up the series for the next few Sundays as we go into Christmas. And so this is the beginning of a series leading into Christmas, this Advent season. So I want you to hear it. I'm reading from the New King James Version in Luke 1. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid. Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and he will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month of her who was called barren. For with God nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed. Would you do me a favor and just wave at somebody and say, Neighbor, you have to trust the process. You may be seated in the sanctuary. You have to trust the process. Interestingly enough, as I begin this dialogue tonight, trust the process. I don't want to pick on anybody, but Brother Rick Jones is here this morning and the Jones family, so let me bother them early on. But this catchphrase became popular, particularly in Philadelphia, when Joel Embiid hushed the crowd in Philadelphia with those words, trust the process. Embiid held his finger up, trying to quiet the crowd. Because Philadelphia had been the bottom feeders of the NBA for several seasons, gaining the first round pick each time. I don't know how the ping pong balls kept going in their direction. And they had selected players that were supposed to come in to be the saviors. Joel Embiid, Marco Falk, and uh, oh yeah. Ben Simmons. Those three were supposed to come in and change things. 
So trust the process with those three players is the slogan used by fans. And though it has since become popular elsewhere in sports and in culture, it is an important slogan, even if it didn't work out so well in Philadelphia today. Doesn't mean it won't work, because all of those are great ball players. They just might not be a good fit together. But trust the process with the right thinking. It was the right thing to say. It's the right thing for you to get in your spirit. Because trust the process means things may look bad now, but we have a plan in place to make it better. Things may look bad now, but we have a plan in place to make it better. It, it, it simply means there's a strategy at work. There's a strategy at work. I suppose in, in my kind of vernacular, it simply means there's a method to the madness. Trust it. There's a method to the madness. And sometimes it doesn't appear to be that there's a method to what God is doing in your life and in your world. But we do know that all things work together for the good of those who love God. And sometimes we're not comfortable with the ways that God will take us. And sometimes we even have those days where we lament like Job. And the only thing we can say is, he knows where I'm at because he knows the way I take. Yeah, it means that there's intent beyond the chaos. There's intent behind the chaos. It may look like all scribbly lines right now, but there's intent behind the chaos. Something's going on. What I want to tell you now is trust the process does not mean there won't be delays, detours, or distractions. Oh, I'm preaching this day. It doesn't mean there won't be delays. It doesn't mean things won't go awry. It doesn't mean there won't be detours that you end up going around. The children of Israel trusted the process and ended up spending 40 years in the wilderness on a detour because they didn't want to take the direct route afraid of the giants in the land. But the process was still working. Trust the process is, is, is to play what is referred to as the long game. And I ought to tell you this, and God works the long game for our good. Bishop, what do you mean work the long game? I, I need to tell you this, sometimes God doesn't work quickly or the way you want him to. I know, that one didn't go over well. There's no shout in that. Tell me in three days the miracle's going to be at my door. We can dance. But tell me I may have to wait. And Elder Charles will tell you, I'm not crazy about that song, but I don't want to mind waiting. <laughs> Playing the long game means that there are necessary steps now to set things up for long-term success.
the unnecessary steps now that must be taken for long-term success. And each of us, whether we want to admit it or not, we are living right now in the decisions we made many days ago. Some of us are living with decisions we made 30, 40 years ago. What you need to realize is that it means not sacrificing long-term gains for short-term conquests. I know that's not, that's not as simple as some of you would like it to be. I'll give you one last one and then I'm going to press my claim a little further. It means not substituting immediate gratification for long-term success. And all of us know what that means because all of us have done it at some point in our lives. All of us have been like Esau. We may not have sold our birthright, but we sold some other things out for a little bowl of soup. And in hindsight, we wonder, why did I do that? But God works different than us. God has a long-term plan and strategy. And, and, and can I tell you something? I wanna, I'm going to mess with you before I get into these three points, and I'm going to be done. I really am. I took my wife the other day, and we were talking. And uh, this is how this evolved in my spirit. Because I said to my wife, I said, we needed a savior, and God gave us a baby? A baby? You, you didn't catch that yet. Went over your head. We needed a savior, and God gave us somebody needing diapers. See, I know you all, you all haven't been saved long enough to ask questions about God that you know don't include just glorious faith. I'm looking at it. I need a Messiah, an advocate, chief mediator. And instead, God calls a virgin, consecrates her for service to create life, to give us life. As if to say, I'm not going to help you if you don't want to participate in your own blessing. Let, let, let me see if I can work this. Three, three reasons God plays the long game. That's what trust the process means. Three reasons God plays the long game. And I think this is going to be helpful. The first of which is this. God plays the long game because he's working with purpose. With purpose in mind. Now, I need to help you here because, see, 
a lot of times when we're calling on God, what we have for our purpose and what is divine purpose can be two different things. And so it messes us up when those things don't align with each other. Because see, we call on God with an immediate and God answers us with blessings that don't seem so quick. You know, it's like going to the doctor and the doctor says this is a three-step process. No, I need you to come today, yep, and I need you to come next week, yep, and I need you to come the week after, and you say, well, why can't we do all in one setting? Because, well, this one here sets it up. This one here is after you've healed up a little bit, and then this one comes in after that has been done, so now I can put you in this. And you're like, well, why can't you do it all in one? Because it doesn't work like that. Your body doesn't work like that. If you want to tell somebody what to do, go to med school. <laughs> Your problem is you want everything instant. We have gotten so used to instant oatmeal and instant grits. And <laughs> oh, if I was somewhere else, I could say something. We're in a hurry for everything. And God's working on purpose. And, and, and it reminds me that there are times when you can't understand what God is doing, but you need to trust there's purpose in the pain. You, you may not understand what God is doing, but, but there's purpose in the pain. There's purpose going on. It works like that. I may not know what the surgeon is doing, but there's purpose in the cut that just was made. It was not made just so it could be cutting on me. He was cutting on me to get something out of me and to help something go into me that was going to help my life. There's purpose in the pain. And my problem is that I want it right now, not realizing there are laws that must be followed. Natural order that must be kept. Ways in which plans and strategies must be set up. And what I've got to realize is that a lot of times it's a setup. God is setting me up for God's next move. It's a setup. God is putting me in position for God's next move. It's a setup. And I've got to stop getting frustrated with the setup. Ah, Isaiah 9 drops the word into us and and if you look at Isaiah 9 and you'd see beginning at verse 1, I don't have time to read it all, but I'm going to be working back and forth between all these texts over the next few weeks. But it talks about the people who walked in darkness. The word there is not darkness as in walked outside at night. The word is about spiritual darkness. He says, and those people who once walked in spiritual darkness will see a great light. Those who live in the dark land, the light will shine on them. God has a plan 
and a purpose and a perspective that's different than yours because he's not as concerned about your physical frame as he is your immortal soul. See, your problem is you think that all God's got to worry about is whether or not you get healed from your broken toe. And God's trying to keep your soul out of hellfire. Trying to keep your soul. Let me see. God's trying to keep your soul in the light of God's divine love. And all of these bodies, these are earth suits. Come here, Lazarus. Why didn't JC, your homie, show up when his sister called and told him you were sick unto death? And then you show up three days after? He's already in the grave. And Jesus looks at him and says, and your point is? Excuse me, Jesus. He's dead three days in the grave. And in case you don't know what happens after death, he stinketh. And Jesus says, and your point is? said, well, I know we'll see him in the resurrection. And Jesus looked at him and says, I am the resurrection. In other words, I'm greater than the physical. This is a spiritual thing. And my purpose is to bless your spirit and to bring you in line with the Father on a deeper level. My purpose is to bring you in the light. My purpose is to bring you out of darkness into the marvelous light. My purpose is to hold you up in the light of God's love and in that light to have you shine bright like a diamond. God, God plays the long game. Because he's got a different purpose. He's got a different purpose, but okay, I can't do all that, so I gotta, I'm scrolling ahead because I got Isaiah 11 on there, and I want and Isaiah 11 keeps waving at me, saying, say a word about me. When I say God plays the long game, Isaiah 11, 1 tells us that the shoot, that is, then a shoot, the Messiah, will spring from the stock of Jesse, David's father, and a branch from his roots will bear fruit. And the Spirit of the Lord will rest on him. Old preacher used to say, God took 40 and two generations to in order to bring Jesus into the earth realm. God plays the long game. Because he's got purpose attached to it. I, ah, let, let me, let me, let me. Uh, 
Number two, number two, number two. I hope I'm blessing somebody right now. But, 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 but God plays the long game because he's working with people. Now, this is my favorite part of the message. Because this is going to be right to you. I'm talking to the person sitting on the cushion you're sitting on. Right in the spot you're in right now getting comfortable. Listen. God's got to work with people. And God does not force people. Now get this now. The people God's working with have lives. So God's working with people whose lives were ordinary and whose plans must be willingly usurped. Oh, I went over somebody's head. Let me, let me bring it back down. In other words, I knew what I wanted to do and I had to willingly say, I'll do what you want me to do instead of what I wanted to do because not my will, but your will be done. got to be willing to have you usurp my plans, to override my plan. I had a plan. Mary and Joseph had a plan. We going to get married. We going to eyes are married now. They were engaged. We going to get married. And instead, this Holy Spirit comes here with an angel and tells me God is getting ready to mess up your plan. Your plans are on hold for nine months if you say yes. You see, consent is required. I'm walking down somebody's street right now because some of us right now have not given God consent to do with us what God wills. We're still fighting God. We're still, we're still telling God what we won't do. We, we are we're like Bernie Mac. Uh, Bernie, Bernie says that we're some of the only people to come, go to work and tell the boss what we won't do. Don't nobody bother me today. I ain't going to be doing much today. I had a long night last night. So leave me alone. Don't be tripping in here today. And we bring that same attitude to God. Sometimes we bring it to church. Don't nobody tell me clap my hands today. They better not tell me. <laughs> better leave me alone. Tell my praise the Lord. And in a few hours, the football game goes on. Y'all have your jersey on. Be yelling and screaming in the living room. And you be jumping up and down, hollering, knocked over the popcorn, hit the baby in the head, and the dog ran away scared. And come to church acting like you all demure. I haven't seen all of you on the dance floor, but I see some of y'all. Y'all can drop it. Y'all can do y'all. <laughs> I don't know if you're dropping it like it's hot or lowering it down like it's warm, but you're doing something. 
and now you come to church and we got to beg you to acknowledge God. I digress, I digress, I digress. God wants a yes. You know, um, Floretry has a song, so all you got to do is say yes. Never mind. You, you, God wants a yes. <laughs> God wants a yes. Those that got it, got it. Those that didn't, don't worry. It's a, it's a different sermon. God wants a yes. The choir sings, yeah, that's it. That's, that's, that's the tune right there. God wants a yes. Will you give me a yes? Watch this. When I say God has to work with people, Matthew has God's angels speaking to Joseph. Luke it talks about how God has to speak to Mary. And we got to have God speak to Elizabeth. And then we got to have God speak to Zechariah and tell Zechariah what to name his son. God has, what do you mean? God is working with Joseph, Mary, Zechariah, Elizabeth. All of them needed to say yes. You know, I want to I want to give you this because it's going to bless you right now. I'm, I, I'm almost done. I got. I know I got to get out of the way, but listen. Sometimes we're not waiting on God. He's waiting on our consent to be both the blessed and the blessing you missed it see you see he you want the blessing but what he wants you to do he wants to you to be blessed and a blessing the abrahamic promise was i will bless you so that you will be a blessing and god wants to consent not only to receiving the blessing but to being a blessing everybody wants to get but god wants to give through you Whew. okay my, 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 my time is coming to an end. I got, I got to close, so let me give you the third point, and then I'm done. I'm going to done. I'll pick it up next week, next, next week. So the third thing about God playing the long game, God plays the long game because he's working with patience. Patience, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I need to say that to somebody sitting here right now um, who has everything but patience. I want to tell somebody right now who's frustrated, waiting on the final healing, waiting on God to finally say it's over, it's done with. I want to tell you now, just be patient. The Lord sees you and knows what you're dealing with. And he'll put no more on you than you can bear. And he's going to take care of you. Oh man, I'm I'm getting full for somebody right now because I'm talking. I feel full for you. I, I know you're going through something right now. And I need to tell you this. Let me give you like this. God's timing is not the same as ours. See, 
we work in chronos, which is chronological time. And so we watch the clock and we watch the calendar day by day, but God's working in kairos, which is that spiritual, that otherworldly time. You see, God doesn't work at our pace, at our timing, and God is patient and deliberate. I don't know about you, have you ever seen a watchmaker put together the tiny pieces and wheels of a watch and how delicate it is and how much time it takes in order to do it. It's tedious work and it takes time to develop the skill to do it. And some of us don't have that patience. But God is the ultimate watchmaker because he has time and patience to put every piece of our existence in together the right way so that we're back on time and in time and in tune to his will. You see, it's good that God's patient. I want to tell you why it's good that God's patient. Because most of us are not perfect. Now, I'm going to ask all the perfect people to lead the church now. I'm really, really, because you scare me. I don't know when the lightning going to hit you, because, you know. The rest of us who have some flaws need a patient God. The rest of us who have laws need a God who looks beyond faults and sees needs. The rest of us who have flaws needs a God that doesn't get upset the first time I make a mistake. The rest of us who have flaws need a God who will pick me up when I've fallen down and place my feet on solid ground again. The rest of us. You see, one of God's greatest attributes is his patience. And I want to tell you part of that patience is he is slow to anger. All the stuff you done did that would have made somebody else angry, God is slow to anger. But not only that, he's also long-suffering. And he's been putting up with you while you've been getting your life together. And oh, thank you, Jesus. You didn't give up on us. You didn't give up on us. You keep on working on us. And so I want to close with just this. I want you to get this in your spirit. You need to trust the process. I don't care if you're dealing with sickness. I don't care if you're dealing with asking God for a new job, a new house, a new home, a new career. Open up a door for you. I don't give God. You're asking God to fix up a relationship or you're asking God for somebody else. I don't care if you're trying to get over grief or you're trying to get over heartache or you're trying to get over pain. I need to tell you this. You can't hurry God. You just have to wait. But you need to know that Isaiah 40 is right. Have you not known and have you not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints or is weary and his understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak and to those who have no might. He increases strength. Even the youth shall be weary and the young men shall utterly fall. But they... 
that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They'll mount up on wings like an eagle. They'll run and not get weary. They'll walk and not faint. Trust the process. You need to know waiting on God has benefits. It comes with peace. It comes with power. It comes with patience. Hold on. Trust the process. Come on, give God a praise. time this was a word you were supposed to hear those of you in the sanctuary you're supposed to hear it in person you may not understand what God is doing but God is still in control even over that which you don't understand God is still in control and he's going to take care of you be not dismayed whatever be tied God will take care of you Beneath his wings on love abide. God will take care of you. I want to extend an invitation right now. Maybe there's somebody in the sanctuary who doesn't have a church home, who's looking for a place to worship. I want to extend an invitation for you to come. You can come today. And if you're here in the sanctuary and you say, look, I would like to be a part of that church. I want to be a part of Shiloh. I want you, you can just lift up your hand. You don't have to walk to the front. If you lift up your hand, the usher will come and give you something in your hand. And then after service, we'll talk to you for a brief moment and pray with you. But if you're here in the sanctuary now, if you're online, I want you to call me or email me. Tell me that I want to give my life to Christ. I want to be a part of the fellowship of the church. And you can do that online. You see the ways there online. The phone number is there, 860-443-6046, extension 110. I extend an invitation to you. I extend an invitation. Let me pray with you. As I pray today, I pray remembering in my prayers now, not only those of you standing in front of me, but I want to keep Sister Julie Drayton and her family in her prayers. Her sister Dee Dee, that is Sister Denise, went home to be with the Lord early this morning. And I ask that you keep her in prayer. And then uh, Brother Gene Barboza and his family, as his sister-in-law just passed away, Rosalind. And I ask you to keep them in your prayers. Continue to pray for Deacon Miles' sister, Elaine, and for their families. So we're going to pray for each other right now. I want you to close your eyes. I don't want you to look around nobody else, but I want you just to pray for the person next to you. Just take a moment to pray for the person next to you. Who's ever near you, pray for them. You don't have to know what they're going through. I don't want you to pray for yourself. Pray for the person next to you. Thank you, Lord. You don't have to touch them. 
you can touch and agree with them in the spirit now. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Now, Father, we're praying one for another. We're praying for those online, on Facebook and YouTube. We're praying in the sanctuary. We're praying, God, the names that we've mentioned and the names that we haven't mentioned. There are more names that I've said today. Some of them are coming up in the hearts of the people before me as they're calling them out before you now. I pray you hear us. And I pray, God, today that as your word has gone forth, help us to trust the process. Help us to believe that you, God, have a master plan and that you're working that plan out for our good. We thank you, God. Somebody right now needs a peace about what they're going through. They're here, God, but they need peace because they're still struggling. They need peace because they still have more doctor's appointments. They need peace because they may be facing radiation or chemo. They need peace because they may be facing a decision on what course to take next, what surgery to have, what tests are in front of them. But God, if you can allow them your presence and that that presence and that patience that you have be theirs, they can make it to a work in us and for us in Jesus' name.